This is a Locker Room Production. All right, guys, welcome to another edition of the Miami Sports Junkie podcast. We're coming to you live today on the Locker Room app. It's our first adventure uh, trying out this new format. Uh, we're going to do the game day preview just as normal and uh, invite anyone that is in the room. If they have any questions, you can type them in the chat or request to speak. We can sort of uh, make this an interactive segment as opposed to what we normally do with the podcast. Uh, so starting off, it's uh, Wednesday afternoon. The Spurs are coming to Miami. We played them last week and beat them 107-87 last Wednesday, exactly a week ago. Uh, the Spurs have not lost since that game. They've won three games in a row, 31-29 and 29 on the season. They're ninth in the West for the Heat. We're seventh in the East, actually tied with Boston for sixth, but they own the tiebreaker currently 32-30 and 30 on the season and lost our most recent game against the Bulls on Monday. As it goes with injuries, the Heat are with still without Victor Oladipo. Uh, still some questions behind Tyler Hero's status, Kendrick Nunn's status. Andre Udala's status, Goran Dragic's status, kind of a, a game day ritual of uh, anticipating surprises when we get the injury report. For the Spurs, Derek White suffered an injury on in their game on Monday. He will be out, so they're losing one of their starting guards, and Trey Lyles remains out. So we want to look first at the Spurs' offense. Uh, we played them a week ago. We held them to 87 points, so obviously – a pretty important um, aspect of this is can they score enough points, especially losing Derek White in their starting lineup. They're a very balanced offense. DeMar DeRozan leads them with 21 points a game, but then they have DeJounte Murray, 15 points a game, Keldon Johnson, 12 points a game, Patty Mills, 11 points a game, Rudy Gay, 11 points a game, and Lonnie Walker with 10 points a game. So they have a lot of guys that can put points on the board, but really even DeMar and DeJounte Murray are really not elite scorers. They don't have that one guy that can just go get a bucket. And so without Derek White losing 15 points per game from their starting lineup, I would expect either Patty Mills, maybe Lonnie Walker, or maybe even Rudy Gay to step into the starting five. It's going to be hard to replace his offense with those guys. They only scored at a rate of 98.8 points for 100 possessions last week against us. Our defense did a really good job against them, and we'll talk about that in just a few minutes. But their scoring is going to be an issue, and I think that if Miami can hold them below 100, we see a lot of success with the Heat when our opponents are below 100 because it gives our offense that often has struggled the chance to score more points. The Spurs are also last in the league in three-point field goals attempted. Last week, they did attempt 13% more three-point field goals than they do normally on the season. I believe it's 30% on the season. Uh, their total shot attempts come from three, and last week against us, it was around 43% of their total field goal attempts. They're not a great shooting team. They shoot a lot of mid-range jump shots. We limited that uh, last week when we faced them. They are also a low turnover team, around 11%, and we forced them into about 13%, so just a little bit higher. Um, but obviously, when you when you have an offense that struggles, any additional turnovers really puts you behind the eight ball. Uh, in that game, Miami only turned the ball over 8% of the time. So there was a very good uh, difference in terms of taking care of the ball and forcing them into turnovers. I would expect us to play a lot of zone. We saw the zone and the 2-2-1 last week against the Spurs. Um, you know, that that pressure defense dropping back into a 2-3 zone, it's not necessarily like a full-court man press where you're trying to turn people over in the backcourt, but what it does is it burns up clock. Uh, so you have eight seconds to get the ball over half court. If you're starting your offense with maybe 17 or 18 seconds left on the shot clock, it makes poor offenses struggle to score because they don't have as much time. You see that with our own offense sometimes. 
When you look at the other side of the floor with the Spurs defense, one of the best defenses in the league, top 10 in the league, kind of inconsistent in a way. Uh, you know, when you look at their their defense last week, Bam had a good game against them, 23-8-5. Jimmy had a good game, 18-7-11. and 11. Duncan had 10, Kendrick had 9, and Tyler had 22 off the bench. A rare Tyler Hero appearance uh, in scoring off the bench. And, and 22 points is about a month's worth of scoring off of our bench as we played lately. The Spurs do a good job of guarding the arc. Obviously, we like to shoot the three a lot, so that's something that is concerning. They do a good job of defending the rim. Jacob Pirtle had five blocks last week against us. He's one of the better shot blockers in the league. But he is a drop big, so that means that when we get into the pick and rolls, when we get into the dribble handoff actions, we can attack him and their bigs off the bench. Eubanks and uh, other bigs are mainly drop defenders. So if they're playing a big, we can attack that drop, get pull-up jump shots, uh, or get our three-pointers going. And obviously it also gives Bam the opportunity to attack those drop bigs as well. Uh, In the last game against them, I think we also found an opportunity to attack smaller guards, especially if they go Patty Mills in the starting lineup. He's that type of guard that would allow Jimmy or, um, you know, with, with Bam rolling to the basket, you have that opportunity to attack that switch, attack that smaller guard that we like to do, especially with Jimmy when it gets to playoff time uh, with Derek White being out. So when you have, you know, a look at their starting lineup, Keldon Johnson, six foot five, DeMar DeRozan, six foot six, DeJounte Murray, six foot four, Patty Mills, six foot one, maybe Lonnie Walker, six foot four. That's a small lineup. And, and I think that there's an opportunity for us to attack in size mismatches. We're not a big team by any means, uh, but it gives us an opportunity to attack when we see mismatches on our side. It's true. Gee, what's up, man? Thanks for coming what, in. What's up, dude? I saw you were doing this. I wanted to pop in and say hi. Yeah, my my maiden adventure on the uh, the locker room app. How do you so, like it? I like it. It's good. It's yeah, fun. it's cool. You know, get maybe get a little interaction. I already do those game day vitamins anyways, and so you know, throw it out there. It records it for me, and then uh, if anybody wants to pop in and talk or debate and discuss, it's it's kind of a cool different uh, avenue. It's great, man. Have you have you talked about how like Demar's been on a heater? Demar is he's concerning. Obviously, twenty-one points a game, but uh, he's he's the guy that if he, if anybody can go out there and get thirty, it's him. I kind of like he's kind of emblematic of like what the Heat are good at defending. They're really good at defending those kind of non-speedy wings. That's what they've been like. They speed gives them issue, right? Like bounce and speed, and Demar is neither of those things. So that kind of makes me confident, kind of going in. But every time I've been confident in a Heat game, they they love. <laughs> They love to uh, they love to make me look dumb. Yeah, I think we see. Uh, last week we played a lot of zone and we did the two two one probably more than any other game where we extended that out a lot. I think we see that again because they don't they don't shoot the three very well and they don't shoot a lot of threes. Period. So, what do you think do you about like that their zone? I, I haven't liked it this season, and I know that the numbers have given mixed results. At some point in the season, they were getting like carved up. It was like one point three points per possession. Uh, when they have their zone and then it it kind of leveled out to I think like a shade below one and then I think it's gone up again do you like it I, I it's been very the, the bag has been mixed I like it but I think like anything when you do it too much it allows the opponent to get comfortable when you give too much of a dose of the zone or too much of the dose of the two two one I think mixing it up and making a team uncomfortable is where we can be more effective you sound like Ariza <laughs> I'm just, cha- I'm just channeling my culture in here. This, 
giving it to Spo. Yeah, I mean, it's been they, they've they've I don't know. It, it had a lot more punch last season. I I don't know. I, I hate to attribute that to Derek and Myers, but I mean, I I don't really know what's going on. Like they don't. I feel like they don't move. I I was um I think it was Coach Thorpe or I forgot who said it. It's like the Heat don't play normal zone. The Heat the, the, sometimes when teams play a zone. They kind of sit back and it's them to kind of catch their breath. And the way that he plays zone has never been like that. And this season, it's felt more like a normal zone. Yeah, especially last year where they would invert and put the the bigger guys on the top yeah. and the smaller guys on the bottom. I think Iggy is probably the the keystone that you need in the zone. He seems to be the guy that it works well with him. And when he's not involved, it doesn't work as well. I said that on the pod yesterday, and they try to do it with KZ. And I love my son, but he's just not. He's not all there IQ wise defensively yet. And I don't at this point I don't know if it'll if it's gonna come the way that we think. I mean he's been in the league for uh, how many years now? It's been is this his third year? Yeah, third year. Yeah, like and and he's barely he barely has the trust of the coaching staff. So I don't I don't if he can't even figure that out, I, to me that's like really concerning. Yeah, and I think that's where we saw the breakdowns in the last game. Not not just with the zone, but like Max Drews was lost, KZ was lost. We had just so many guys with breakdowns that inevitably it led to a Vucevic wide open three or someone Dedman getting skated. a wide open three. skated on those because Deadman's been like sneaky a disaster with rotations. Like very sneakily. So Deadman's like our darling right now. But he's been, you know, I think it's nice that he can get up to the level of the screen. And he can kind of do something up there in pick and roll, but when when that ball starts swinging and he has to start moving laterally, it hasn't looked good. Yeah, I agree. There's actually a question in the chat about Deadman from Jamal. Uh, Jamal asks, "So with these size mismatches, do we get to see more Deadman?" Uh, you know, I know in the last game, a lot of Heat Twitter was talking about playing Deadman with Bam, and I I really offensively I don't see how that fits because of the spacing issues. I'm with you. Uh, it just takes away – it's not so much about the three-pointers. I know some people were arguing, you know, if we're not making three-pointers, what spacing are you talking about? But your best player is Jimmy, and he needs to be able to get downhill and get driving lanes. And when you have two bigs that can't necessarily stretch the floor, it takes away that ability to get downhill, get into the paint, and that's what creates for our shooters. So I just don't see it. Um, I don't know what you think, but it's it's just a tough thing, I feel like. And, and Spo has shown that he doesn't want to do that pretty much over the course of the last few years. Well, I thought yesterday would have been – yeah, yesterday. The last game would have been the game to do it because when you don't have Andre, you know, because they basically play with a non-shooter in Andre. And when – and his guy – Andre's been doing a lot of standing at the dunker spot and passing out and kicking out, which has been really good, by the way. Like, he's been, like, really, 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 really exceptional with that. Like, he's his fines and his kind of – knack for where to swing the ball has been really good in that position, but Denver's not that kind of passer. So I don't think that you should put Bam at the dunker spot in that position. Like that's not, that's really just a misuse of his talent and Deadman, I, I don't really think can fit there as well in kind of the heat offense. But I will say that yes, last game would have been the game to do it because they just, their offense was so stinky and Dragic couldn't beat Vucevic in a drop. And it just, it looked like a disaster and you're just like, well, you know, they're, at least they're getting kind of some looks that they like. They have that little pull-up that, that, that Jimmy likes so much, and, and they were just missing a lot. And maybe you kind of give yourself a little more juice offensive rebounding. And they were playing Tice on the other end as well. So and they, were, they were playing Tice and Vucevic. So you could kind of get away with it. Um, and, and Tice was just carving you up too. Like they, Ariza was – I felt bad for him. It was just not his best day, and that would have been the day. 
Yeah, I mean, they were playing Tice, Markinen, and Vucevic together. It was like the most, I mean, anti-Spolster uh, lineup because of how big they were. And, and Markinen is kind of that guy that they, I don't even think the Bulls know where to play him at. Like, they still haven't figured him out after all these years. It's so funny. Like, they st- when, it, when they got Vooch, then they started him at the four. And it's like, well, we knew that he couldn't play four, and now you're starting him at the four. And it's, look, it's been a catastrophe for them. Uh, and then they do that, and it worked, of course. What's up, Royal? Yeah, I see Royal in the chat. 87 degrees in Philadelphia today, man. The boy is feeling good. <laughs> um, I, I'm, I'm going to head out in a second. But, yeah, like it's um, today probably should be a win. I don't really think the Spurs are very good. They're, they kind of, their shot profile really lets the Heat kind of do what they want. They allow a lot of mid-range shots, which, you know, I don't know what Tyler's availability and Nunn's availability is, but, I mean, I've said this on the pod a bunch of times, you know, for all the shit we give Tyler and all the shit we give Nunn, you know, Nunn's been really good this year, especially as a spot-up shooter, kind of even kind of coming off that that dribble handoff, kind of goes left to right, really gets good positioning, is knocking him down. Tyler is shooting almost 50% from two this season. His finishing has gone up. Pretty much he's gotten better at every category except for his three-point shooting, which he just needs because he doesn't create separation, so he can't really leverage kind of his, his tight handle and kind of his, his mid-work game, his his, uh, his in-between game, because he doesn't get separation and he needs a shooting for that. So, you know, if if they can play, if they can go tonight, San Antonio really lets teams kind of shoot that those in-between shots. And Miami has a bunch of dudes that can get them, right? Like Jimmy can get that. You know, Tyler can get that really comfortably. None can get that, especially if the Spurs do play drop sometimes. So the Heat could be able to kind of exploit some of that shot profile that the Spurs like to give. And uh, maybe it's not the most Eric Spolster stuff, but the Heat have kind of been more willing to just kind of attack Bam as well, by the way. Um, I like, by the way, those Bay Alicia Bam minutes. I know that I don't think they were plus a lot, but I, they were fun as hell, man. I love, listen, Belly, like going head first to the rim is fun. I love a good 4-5 dribble handoff. I love their little high-low game. It is so fun. I'm in on that. So I, I want more of that. I thought you were going to say when Belly went head first to the ground and got that loose ball at half court. That Culture, was, baby. That was one of, like, my favorite moments maybe of the last two to three weeks. Like, I was so, so excited goofy. about that. That shit looked goofy, man. <laughs> I think they had to, like, level out the floor. Like, they had to put in some, like, reinforcements today. I mean, that's a slander belly. I live in Kendall, and I heard the thud when he fell. <laughs> I felt it. The moved. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting to see how they're going to play that out. I don't know if the Deadman fit, but I think the belly and, and Bam fit can be there. And, and he showed a little bit last game after not playing for quite a few weeks. It's uh, it's very interesting to see how they're going to use that that depth because right now with all these guards hurt, they have to find a way to to get some more minutes out of the bigs. It's you know I I, I kind of laugh because like their their big situation at at some point in the season I said they had the best center rotation in the league but that was when Preston looked like he was good and then it became from the best from what I thought was like one of the best center rotations in the league to just like utter crap and now I think they have three to three point five functional bigs so I don't know I think that kind of showed up I mean they just their guards just have to you know my thing with Dunn is. I think he's played really well, but none caps them in a way that Dragic and, and Tyler don't. But I don't think – I think anybody betting that Dragic is going to be a different person, uh, That's a, I think that's a fool's bet. And I've been 
Dragic is like number one supporter. He's my favorite point guard in Heat history. Sorry, Timmy. Sorry, Chalmers. Um, but the snapshot moment for me is him in a game that they absolutely had to win. When you know that all, they all knew the scores around the league in that in that moment. And when Dragic got the matchup that if you had to pick a fictional matchup, it would have been Dragic with Vooch in a drop. That's the matchup that they would take a hundred times out of a hundred times. And Dragic could not beat him and threw up the most ridiculous flip shot I've ever seen. And that to me is like, I was like, he's cooked. I tweeted it out. I was like, oh, oh, wow. He's like done, done. Like if he can't do that in that moment against that God awful defense in a game that you absolutely had to win with the matchup that you want. I'm like, that's, that's it, man. Like I'm, I'm, unless you're having a hot shooting night, I don't really, you can't do that, bro. They need more out of the guards. And, and I don't think, uh, I don't think Goron is going to be kind of, he's not going to get his burst back overnight. That's just not how it works at his age. And, None. I don't think none's going to develop a dribble drive penetration game to shift the defense. It's not who he is. He's a really, really good shooter, and he's a really, really good pull-up shooter, and that's who he is. And I think people wanting him to do more is not really fair of him, and he's small on top of that. So when teams are going to switch against him, it's just an utter nightmare for him. And Tyler, you know, Tyler needs to soul search because if Dragic is not going to give you what you think he can give you, you need to kind of put Nunn and Tyler together to be able to give you some sort of production that is is palatable to, to, to their offense. And if Tyler's not going to shoot the ball well, I don't really know where that comes from because they don't have shooting, they don't have rim pressure, and you're not going to find that anywhere on the roster. So it's it's the Spurs are going to be an interesting. They have a lot of wing guard defenders that are going to give them fits, but, you know, it's listen, not 10 games left. Soul search, baby. Yeah, definitely. I, I was looking up on cleaning the glass, talking about the mid-range shots that the Spurs give up, and we we shot a higher percentage last game of attempts than we normally do from mid-range, and we shot the ball really well, right outside of fourteen feet, sort of that long mid-range shot. We shot sixty percent from that zone. So that's the give. That's yeah. the soft spot. Yeah, which is and funny because the Spurs love to take those. They lead the league in them. So. I always, I always think it's funny when like a defense gives you the shots that you like to take. It's like, what do you, Pop? What are you trying to say, man? Like, what, what's going on? Yeah, Pop was interesting last game. They they seemed to pull their their starters and kind of concede the game a lot earlier than than I expected. And maybe it's just the Heat fan in us that we expected a collapse. Like maybe Pop didn't realize that. Hey, like the Heat this year, we will screw this up somehow like we'll we'll have Gabe shoot a couple step back threes we'll do some crazy shit and all of a sudden you'll find yourself back in the game but he pulled his starters it seemed like mid-fourth when they could have really probably got back into the game so who knows uh you know we just never know what heat team's going to show up we never know I mean sometime in the next hour or so two hours we're going to get that injury report it's like uh it's like that text you don't want to read. You you get the notification for it, and you just don't know what's going to actually appear on there. Who's going to be injured this game? <laughs> it's a bad email. Yeah, exactly. Every time I'm like, wait a minute, Kendrick has a what is it? A neck spasm? It was before- an elbow. I, you were not focusing. What does that mean? Uh, you wonder if they're making up injuries to rest guys, but we don't have the comfort of doing that. Like we Why can't would you be rest resting none? guys. He's the dude that hasn't played all season. That's the guy. Yeah. That 
I mean, thank God Duncan got some Pepto and he's he's all good now, right? Like his stomach's all settled and he should be able to bomb away today. Duncan's played every game, I think, this season. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I, we don't we don't talk enough about Duncan's fitness because the dude is running the most on the team. Gets picked on on defense almost one of the most. So he's like attacked on defense all the time. He's on offense just a turbo that he never stops running, and he's played every game. And uh, that's and I think that's part of why he has like stronger starts and finishes because he's probably exhausted. And and that's you know unfortunate that they depend on him so much that that he gets so tired. But you know it, it's 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 honestly a marvel what he's done. And I've talked a lot about this, and I know that it's it's probably annoying at this point, but. That dude has improved so much on both ends of the floor. I, and he's a guy that you you pay, right? Like, if he's a guy that's shown you that he can improve like that and that he's committed to it, you know, you, you pay guys not off what they are now, but what off what they can give you. And if you trust Duncan to keep adding things to his game, shooting like 85% at the rim or almost 90 or 97%, something ridiculous. It's like it's, he's insane, right? And the, the pocket passing has gotten better. The You know, he sees help a lot quicker. And that's something that I've kind of been critical on Tyler for. Like when Tyler runs two man game with Bam and that second defender comes to his way, he doesn't see that window quick enough. He sees the window a second late. And once that angle's not there, he sees it and you could tell. And then they have to kind of pivot to something else. They can't just flow into that pass, into that swing. They have to then bring the ball back out and then run something else. And that's kind of stuff that'll come for him. Duncan, I think, has been a lot better, has been a lot quicker, is more. He's waiting for it. It's not like he's like seeing what he's not reading and reacting. He's like expecting and knowing because he he's very aware of the kind of coverage he's going to get. He's like, okay, this guy's going to switch, but Bam's going to slip, and I'm going to be ready for that, right? Or these guys are going to trap me. I'm going to get rid of the ball early, and then I'm going to rerun my route. And it's kind of those kinds of anticipations and those kinds of motions that have a helped him kind of refine himself in the second half of the season where he was struggling earlier. And like I said, I just, that guy's awesome. He's the best. I, I, I just support him so much. Like he's the best. Yeah, definitely. And you know, it's like the inverse of his gravity. He, he, he pulls the defense so far out because he's such a great shooter and his adjustment has been, he moves so well off the ball. He cuts so well. And then, like you said, he finishes so well that now the defense has to respect that also. And now that's sucking the defense in the help defense in, and it's opening up things on the outside for other people. He, he's, he's the key to our offense. He's not our best player by any means. He's not our best offensive player either, but he's the piece that makes everything work because of the spacing and the attention that he draws away from other people. He he's irreplaceable to them, and I think that that's become more clear than ever. I think he's very comfortably their third best player, right? I, I don't think that's like I don't even count Oladipo. I mean, Oladipo's played what five games? Did Avery has Avery Bradley played more minutes for the Heat than Victor Oladipo? That's something we could check. Hold on, four games. Me. I would think so. Yeah. Well, what's a, what's a funnier name? Uh, let's check Mo Harkless. Has Mo Harkless played more minutes than Victor Oladipo? I think Mo Harkless is starting now in Sacramento. He is. He had a, he had a twenty point game the other day. That's crazy. Okay, Mo Harkless has played. Let me see. Show totals. Mo Harkless played a big total of three hundred and eighty three minutes. There's no way that Victor Oladipo has three hundred minutes. No, he's only played in four games. He would have to play every minute, and that still wouldn't get him. 48 times 4 is 160, 184, 186. So, yeah. So, Vic, let me see. Vic has played 111 minutes for the Heat. 
He does. He Victor doesn't even have more minutes as a pacer this season than Mohawk was at as a Heat player. That's unreal. That's funny. That's funny. Well, y'all take care. As Royal Shepherd says, "Fuck Moharkless." <laughs> love you, Royal. Love you, love you, Doctor Strish. Y'all the best. Thanks, G, for coming in. Uh, I saw in the chat a couple couple comments that came in. Uh, Andrew makes a good point that last week we played the Spurs on Wednesday. The next day, the Spurs had a game, and that pop probably pulled guys early uh, to rest them up for the next game. That's a you know a great point, obviously, when you're factoring in the back to back. And I uh, did see my man Nando from Miami Sports Vibes jump into the chat. So appreciate you coming in. Miami Sports Vibes, really good podcast, covers all the Miami sports. I know talking uh, – he had an episode yesterday, I believe, talking about the Dolphins draft and a little bit about the Heat. So check that out. And so, yeah, guys, I mean, we're at about 30 minutes. Uh, I didn't really know what to expect with the locker room. Oh, I do have a, we've got another question. We can hold on. I got about, I got a little time of lunch left. Um, so Andrew asked, what are our thoughts on so many wanting Deadman to play with Bam? So we touched on that a little bit earlier. Um, and I, I actually discussed this last night, uh, myself and Twisted Tapioca. We do a podcast called the two for one situation. Uh, so you can check that out. But we talked, we talked a little bit about, at least in my opinion, offensively, it's really hard to play Deadman and Bam at the same time. You know, Deadman did attempt a three-point shot with the Heat. Uh, it was a top-of-the-key three, did not make it. He has some history of shooting the three, but he's not a stretch big by any means. Uh, he's going to do his damage, as we've seen. He's rebounding at around a 20% rate of uh, offensive rebounds, which is which is very good. He's been effective when he catches those offensive rebounds and finishing it right around the rim. So if you're expecting him to pull out, play on the perimeter, shoot threes, I think you're taking – a pretty effective player so far and putting him in a spot where he's not going to be as effective. Uh, You know, and Bam, obviously I think that's in his future stretching out to the three and he plays on the perimeter a lot, but he's not a threat to shoot it from there. And so what you're going to have is when those guys are away from the ball, you're going to have help defense. That's going to sag off, especially with Deadman. You know, Bam's got the ball in his hands a lot. He's a high usage player, but if, if you have a defender, let's say tonight you have Jakob Pertl guarding Deadman, he's going to sink down into the lane. And what that's going to take away is the ability for Jimmy to drive, the ability to get guys around the corner and going downhill on your dribble handoffs and on your pick and rolls. It's going to take away from rolls from Bam. You know, if, if Deadman's on the weak side and that help defender is sagging off, it just clogs up a lot. And, and it's, it's, it's not much different than, you know, if you're looking at lower levels of basketball or college basketball, when you don't have a lot of shooting threats, inevitably defenses sag. And, you know, the NBA has that defensive three-second rule to kind of prevent this, to open things up and spread it out. And I, I just don't see how offensively it's going to work. I do think it could be something that maybe is in Spoh's back pocket. Uh, maybe for limited minutes where they can go to two bigs because they can attack uh, the offensive glass with Deadman and Bam, uh, or at least one of them. You know, it's not really in the heat scheme to attack the offensive glass hard. They really try to limit transition more so than attack the offensive glass, but it's really hard. And I think last game you, you, you kind of requested it more because of the limited roster that we had. Whereas when we get back to full strength, I just don't see how that fits into the puzzle pieces of playing two bigs. It's just not something Spolstra has done over the course of the last few seasons or the the history of what he's done in Miami. It's a good question, Andrew. 
So if anybody else has any questions, if not, we'll kind of wrap this up. It was uh, the first adventure that we've done on Locker Room. So we're going to try to continue to do some more uh, interactive segments. I've been doing these game day vitamins for probably about a month now uh, and putting those podcasts out about this time each day. And uh, so, yeah, it's, it's kind of fun to have some interaction and have people pop in and out. And um, this will save and I'll upload it. So if you want to catch you know, anything that you might have missed at the beginning, you can definitely jump on. It's on the Miami Sports Junkie podcast. Uh, and you can follow me on Twitter. It's at Philly Heat NBA. Uh, I go by the alias of Dr. Struce. Um, and so I put out these game day vitamins and do some previews and kind of bounce around in a couple of different shows. So I appreciate you guys coming in. And uh, I'll be definitely uh, scheduling another one of these in the future. So have a good day, guys. And uh, go Heat tonight.